Welcome to the Game Raven Review Podcast. I am your host, Sam, and I am joined by some very talented individuals today as we discuss the world of indie games. Today's episode is going to be about story and dialogues in-game, and today we have some very special guests that I'd like to introduce before we get into any of that. First, let's start off with Cam. How are you? Good. How are you? I am all right. And Cam, this has been your first time on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. I'm Cam. I go by they, she. Um, I am a designer and writer and sometimes do programming, and I'm currently working as a designer with Shell Games. Glad to have you here. And we have another special guest. Emily, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you, Sam? Again, I'm going to make it through this podcast. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a writer and editor for GameRavenReview.com. I'm also writing a, trying to write a, a fantasy novel, and uh, I like archery, kayaking, hiking, and video games. It's a nice list. Yes. And last but certainly not least is a stay here on the podcast. Taz, how are you? I'm freaking fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were like, Taz, stay here. Stay. <laughs> he's like, he's always here. Always, <laughs> again, if I'm looking around, like, who's going to be on the podcast today? It's like, Taz, I know who's going to be here. I'm always here, constantly, all the time. No days off. Oh, that guy. That guy's back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sam, I'm so excited for our, our Naruto debate when you, when, you, when you come over for PAX. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. There's so many debates. Like, I'm just, oh, gosh, I'm so ready for all of this. But that's the podcast for another day. I think that's like in a week or two. But we, we will be talking about PAX. So... Again, look forward to that. And I also want to thank everyone for joining me today. And we'll be right back with What Are We Playing? See you there. And welcome back to the Game Raven Review Podcast with one of our main segments, What Are We Playing? And as you listen to the podcast for the last month or so, I am very inconsistent on playing games for the gaming podcast. But this week, ha 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 ha, I played a game. Um, I've talked about this before. Epic Games, you know, those people who may have made, it, made something called like Fortnite. Eh. Um, also has like a free game they give out like every month. And this month they gave out Plague's Tales, which is the first one. I think it's called Innocence because who wants to put a one behind a game? And you can just name it by other things and confuse the people. Anywho, I love the game. It's very different than what I like to play. Um, also teaches me that I, my tolerance for children, either real or imaginary, is very low. <laughs> <laughs> I've played that game and oh boy, children. <laughs> oh no, I have that game on my wish list and I hate children. It's very good. It's great. Oh, it is. Yeah. Very accurate to how children are in like real life, especially French children. Now I'm torn. They're coming out with a sequel, I think, pretty soon. Yes. Oh no. Oh no. If they are. <laughs> you know, murdery things are happening. I'm gonna bust this hammer against this wall for no good reason, just because I feel like it. And you're like, hey, stop that. Why do I wanna stop that though? It's like, cause <sighs> 
gonna leave you with these rats. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, but again, it's really good. And again, I don't want to give like free press to you know Epic Games and all. But again, the idea of getting a free game because you know who doesn't like free? I think you should look into it if you enjoy again different kinds of games. It doesn't have to be Fortnite, of course. It's just a free download. Um, as long as you have the space, check it out. It doesn't hurt anything. The little ratties are actually somewhat cute, even though they are very murdery. Um, but also very cute. Like at first, I was like, "Oh my god, rats!" And then I'm like, "They're not that scary." I <laughs> like, love rats. Just, like after a while, I was like, I'm like, "Oh, it's you guys again, huh?" Hi. <laughs> I'm gonna get this light and dodge you again. So <laughs> bye. <laughs> oh, but yeah. So I finally played a game again. This might be like two two times in a month. So <laughs> I'm on a record now. Yay. Um, let's start with Emily. What have you been playing? I've been playing more games than I normally play, meaning I'm like jumping back and forth between games, which normally I don't do. I usually play like one or two games at a crack, but this time I'm playing several. I just finished uh, Death's Door, which is actually on our summer preview list and really fantastic game. Uh, I didn't give it a review, but if I had, I'd give it probably a 9.5 out of 10. It's just a really solid game, really good combat, great music, and I love the visuals. And yeah, I just enjoyed pretty much everything about it. I'm also just started like two days ago, a game called Rakuen, which I think is Japanese for paradise. And it kind of has like my neighbor Totoro kind of vibes it's about a boy in a hospital and he sort of discovers a portal to like an alternate dimension and it's full of really cute little forest creatures and it's kind of like a top-down exploration pixel game really i like it so far i've only played like an hour and a half but uh and then i decided you know it's been it's been a few years so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump back in and into portal and play portal and portal 2 so i've also been playing those which of course are classics and are hilarious nice yeah so that's what i've been playing very nice i've also been playing death's door i've stepped away from it for a little while because again it's like playing plague's tale i am i'm so one lane when it comes to a game where it's like i'm playing this now mm-hmm. now i'll go over here back over here and playing this after like two <laughs> um but i love Death's Door. i love the character designs it's just really cute it's funny too Again, we're talking about like, like killing, you know, potheads, which I appreciate. Like, I just, <laughs> just it's a fun like things like that make me want to keep playing certain games. And to say like this is an indie game too, it's just like, man, love all of this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of irreverent. Yes. And it's a crow. It's I think it's a hooded crow, and I'm I'm really it into is. birds. So I was like, oh, it's a little bird with a sword. I'm on board. A laser sword <laughs> with a nice dot and rolled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, again, also that game is just attack. Like, I was always like, oh, let me roll away. No, that's not how this game is supposed to be played, at least not for me. I'm just attacking people. But again, it's fun. I appreciate it. Um, moving on, let's talk to Cam. Cam, what have you been playing? So I have been obsessively playing this little game called Muck. It is a very difficult game. as kind of like a Minecraft, except the developer made it out of pure spite. It is a game that is so filled with spite. It's multiplayer, but I play by myself, which makes it a thousand times harder. <laughs> um, I I recommend it to everyone, um, just because I just I just think everyone needs to play it to understand it. Like I say, it's difficult, but like 
I just, you need to play it to understand. Because <laughs> it's also stupid and absurd. <laughs> seeing some ragdoll physics here in one of these trailers I'm seeing. Yeah. Totally agree. I played it for a two-player Tuesday on a stream, and we d- we did regular mode, and, and you said you did, you did, you, you accomplished day eight on, on easy. I underestimated everything. I was like, regular? I always play normal. I couldn't get through day, f- it took us eight deaths to get to day four so yeah. holy moly it it's fun it's amazing so i totally agree it's, so it's, fun. it's surprisingly difficult <laughs> yeah it's like i think on easy mode it spawns the boss monster on day six like mm. the night of day six it spawns a boss monster and i'm like okay i finally got past that we're great and then on day eight it spawned two boss monsters Ooh, <laughs> and i'm like buddy. oh Oh. <laughs> oh my god there's something about the line game made out of spite that tickles yeah. me <laughs> all over listen i got into making games by spite and i'm gonna play the ones made with spite <laughs> those are the best kind of games they're salty yeah Salt. and i watched the whole like youtube video of how, like he's like you dared me so i'm gonna do it and he has like a 13 minute video of like his development process and how like lazy he was in certain things. Like, yeah, character design is going to look like a blob like that. And then here you go. And he like he did like at the time research, like, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to look up how to do this. And then he did it. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, oh, geez. And last and again, but not least, Taz, what have you been playing? I've been playing a couple new games. Um uh, I finally got around to playing It Takes Two with uh, Puppet um, for my two-player Tuesday. That game is beautiful. It's 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 difficult. It's good on storytelling. Um, I believe I I can't remember the developer, but I believe it was an indie game that got picked up by EA. Um, unfortunately, the hardest. Like, if I were to recommend this game, I would recommend getting it on uh origin on ea origins launcher as opposed to steam because it makes you go through the ea launcher anyway so it's just like one of those things so if that's just my recommendation it's been out for a couple months i feel like i'm one of the last people to actually play it um but i would recommend that um and so like we had to like finagle all those things on stream uh she we had like she had to like make an account and we had like friend each other because actually it's great because on at least on steam i don't know about uh, origin but uh i'm pretty sure but on steam um one person can buy the game and then another person can just get the friend pass which is free and you can play with anybody the full game whoever has the 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 main game who's ever purchased the whole game you can play the whole game with them as long as you can't play it solo or you can't invite anybody to play but the person who owns it can invite you and you can go through the whole game which is great because that, I think that's what's been bugging me sometimes. It's like, oh, it's a dedicated two-player game, but both people have to purchase the game. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but that system is pretty, pretty, pretty great. And again, like you're just a, a little, you're a couple that turns into little, little dolls, and you have to, you have to uh, kind of. It's like it's like a marriage counseling, but you're facing <laughs> all of like. All, it's very interesting. You're facing all of the things like like um, the I believe the wife is kind of like the engineer, like she's an actual engineer. And I, I don't know what the husband does for work, but 
uh, you encounter like the vacuum. And it was like, she, the guy's like, are you sit And the vacuum is like sentient. He's like, instead of fixing me, you go and buy a new fancy one. And the husband's like, you said you're going to fix this. And she's like, I know I just shoved it in the shed. I didn't think it would go out to kill us. So very interesting, very interesting storytelling. And then the blackout club, I recommend to all you cats and anybody who's listening, grab, you know, up to one to four players. It's kind of like phasmophobia mixed with stranger things a little bit. Mm. Um, First person gameplay, very stealthy, pretty much. uh, It's a single player prologue. So like tutorial is single player, but you can jump in with your friends in the actual multiplayer. Um, Would recommend that anyway. uh, But it's kind of like phasmophobia in a way, like you go on these um, pre-generated missions uh, or procedurally generated missions and go out and do stuff. Pretty much a cult. puts all the adults to sleep in some kind of weird sleepwalking thing and there's also some mystic stuff so if you get caught too many times like there's this thing called the shape that you can only see when your eyes are closed but if you get caught you're like possessed and somebody has to come get you and i mean you're all kids so like the kids don't die but you can like tase an adult that like is grabbing you you can pin them down you can get a drone to sneak your way through you have to find evidence record stuff use tools it's a, it's a it's a great like team game. I've been like I mean sure you got your your shooters and stuff, but um like a concrete one to four person mission based all right squad like we gotta we gotta be sneaky we gotta record evidence we have to go in these houses we have to pick locks don't get caught if we get caught we're screwed very intricate very good very difficult not easy um but a good time good time all around. I'm looking at some of the Blackout Club here. It is very phasmophobia. I like it. Yeah. I saw you guys playing it and just watching Puppet get dragged away <laughs> time after time. And you're like, you got to tell me when her. you're getting dragged away. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you if I don't know your novel. <laughs> I know. Thank, thank you. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, no, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Thank you all for your submissions here for what you're playing for the last week or so and we'll be right back after this with question of the week see you there Welcome back to the Game Raven Review Podcast with our segment question of the week. Every day in our Discord, which you would like to join, is at GameRavenReview.com, link right there. We pretty much ask a question, whether it be about gaming or even just which link do you think is the most attractive (laughs) um, on a daily basis in our Discord. So if you would like to join in on those kind of questions, again, GameRavenReview.com link to our discord is right there so sadly i did not choose the link question for this week but i did want to choose this one to kind of get to know everyone here a little bit better and that is what or who got you into video games in the first place and cam i would like to start with you yeah um i would say probably spite nice (laughs) yeah um 
in high school, I took a programming class and I'm like, oh, this is really neat. And then I found out you can make video games. I'm like, oh, this is even cooler. And then some dude was like, you can't go into video games. There is no jobs. And I said, I'll show you. And now I have a game job. So nice. Suck on that random 18 year old <laughs> from high school. <laughs> you tell him. At first, I thought you could actually say a name. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Get you, John Smith, born in August. I'll show him. I'll oh, show him. Hey, Spite has fueled a lot of things and a lot of things positive as well. Got to find that motivation. We can get it. I like it. Let's see. And I'll, I guess I'll go here. Um, for me, what got me into video games? Uh, um, probably media. Like I remember getting a Super Nintendo as a kid. And again, you asked me, why did I want to get that? And the answer was, I don't know, because everyone else got one probably. <laughs> and then getting Super Mario as my first game and beating my head against the wall to beat that game for probably like a solid year and probably not also doing it all the way because i remember my cousin came over and then she beat it and i was like i mean i could have done that too even though i, I didn't <laughs> but i don't know like the competition of it i always loved again that was another big thing is for us like when the n64 came out like the we would have like a field day so you get to do whatever you wanted and our whatever we wanted was to bring our n64 and play smash and that's what we did. I was a link player. Um, yes. Tried my best. I was never the worst, but always never really the best either. But that's really what got me into it. It's just the competitiveness to it all of just, you know, mm-hmm. playing those games. And, you know, now you see fighting games and they're all just so intricate. It's like, oh, I just, I just want to press button to do thing. Like, like <laughs> what is plus frames? What do you mean? What do you mean plus minus? What? Oh, <laughs> oh man! But yeah, man, I love those kind of things. Uh, let's see, Emily, what got you into gaming? Uh, I believe it was 1995, and I was oh geez, uh, how old would I have been? Math, yay! <laughs> I think I was like eight, maybe. And I um would go over to our friend Joey's house. His mom was our mom's friend, and she would babysit us. And he had a Game Boy. And he had Super Mario Land and him and my brother would play it. And they were like, do you want to try? They were so nice to include me being a girl and all. <laughs> and they're like, you try it. And I was like really nervous because I was like, what if I mess that up? What if I don't do it right? And they're like, just just give it a shot. And I played it and I was like, oh, this is super fun. I couldn't get past. I think it was like the second jump where you had to like hold down the run button and then jump. I could not make that jump for the life of me. But eventually <laughs> I did it. And I can't even count the number of times I've played Super Mario Land now. So, uh, yeah, the Game Boy, it would have been Tetris, Metroid 2, and oddly enough, Wayne's World. Everyone was going on about this Rugrats game, and I have, I'm like, I've never even played that. I don't even like Rugrats. Wait, for the PS1? I don't know. It was in the, it was in the Discord. Everyone was like, we all played the same Rugrats game. What? I thought they had said it was for the Game Boy. Oh, okay, never mind. And I'm like, I have never even heard of this game, so I must have been raised in a different dimension or something. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, it was Super Mario Land. Yeah, on the Game Boy. And we will discuss your dislike for Grow Rex on a different day, but I am um, personally attacked. I feel personally attacked. For what? Of you not like Rugrats? Rugrats that oh, is... oh, no. Aren't they, re- like, remastering it or, like, doing another Rugrats series? Yes. Cool. Yeah, it's, like, 3D now, I think. It is supposed to be 3D. Oh, cool. Yes. That's gonna be dope. So I just Emily just 
Mm, well, I did tell you I hate children. Ah. So. <laughs> and apparently that's been rooted. That's very deeply rooted in Rugrats. That. So. <laughs> On brand. <laughs> On brand. What about you, Tess? You know, I cannot remember. I've been playing games since I I since my little weenie hands could hold a controller and even then it didn't stop me, you know. I I, I want to it was like I don't remember. I just like all of a sudden I remember just having a Game Boy Color playing Pokemon or having the uh PlayStation 1 and like having a uh uh Pokemon uh limited edition N64 that I would get as gifts. I I don't know why I'd ever thought I'd have an, like a uh an affiliate like a like a thing for that, but I was just like always into it. I remember playing like I would pop open the I would always do it by myself. No no parent had to do it for me. I would always like figure out the console, but like all right, I'm going to pop in this this Elmo learning game <laughs> about the alphabet and then just go I would I would kick I would kick ass at that game it'd be great it was awesome i didn't know what i was doing i just knew the objective <laughs> which is kind of how i'd normally still play games to this day i'm just like i read the mission i'm like sounds about right i'm gonna go in the direction that i feel like it's right um but i've yeah i've just like since diapers i would just be playing games i have these just these little memories of me just like looking at a tv screen and like playing a game and like <laughs> i would go to my neighbor's house as like a toddler again like i'm a child a wee child we would play Mortal Kombat and like, I didn't know. I'm like, oh, cool. Blood spikes. Yo, I'm, I'm winning. Did I win? I don't know. Didn't bother me. I was just I all I was so competitive. All I care about was winning, um, but nothing. So I guess to answer the question, nothing really got me into the gaming. I just knew I was already into gaming before I can really remember memories. You know, you were born a gamer. Exactly. What did you do when you lost? I would ask for a rematch. One v one me. Round two. Run it again. Uh, you're that. Let's run it again. As I grab a Capri Sun out of the fridge, let's do it again. I'm doing that again. <laughs> run it back. Run it back. Run it back. <laughs> Played five times. Run it back. I'm going to Scorpion. Going at my main this time. Let's do this. Oh, the salty run back is is always. <laughs> but hey, if you want to answer questions like this or questions about again, which link you think is most attractive? please go to thegamerayvenreview.com. There's a link there for our Discord. Please join if you want to. And we'll be right back with the main segment of the podcast right after this. And welcome back again to the game raven review podcast with our main segment about dialogue and stories in games and i want to start off with cam here with the first question that we have is how do you come up with your story and what inspires you yeah um i feel like a lot of stories i come up with are based on other media i've seen like shows movies books um and also just like the weird ass dreams i have sometimes because there's always something interesting that I pull from those. Um, and uh, in terms of inspiring my story, um, I don't know. Just I just, like, talk a lot <laughs> sometimes. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I 
I've just always liked writing stuff, even if like people don't read it. Um, and if they do, that's also really cool. So it's just like a weird need to get thoughts out of my head and onto somewhere else. <laughs> How about you, Emily? Yeah, I'd say it's a weird amalgamation of sort of a lot of other media, books, movies, video games. I, I tend to tell people I like cut and paste other stories and just like turn it into my own and that I have nothing original. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I'm inspired a lot by music, like musical scores for movies and things like that. Hmm. I'll listen to a soundtrack and, and imagine a scene in my mind happening to that same music. So I think my greatest inspiration is probably music. See, what are some of the setbacks or struggles that come with making a story? Cam. In terms of, I think, like making games, like narratives for games, uh, a lot of it is scope because there's so many other factors in games besides just the narrative. Um, so it's like, I want to do this, but the engineers are like, no, or the artists like, I don't want to make that. Um, <laughs> but in terms of just like, I guess, more traditional narratives, uh, like books and junk, for me, it's like a lot of knowing when to stop with a plot point um because with games you're like all right it's getting boring we got to do something else but with like writing a more linear or a book it's more like i don't know where i'm going but i'm just gonna keep going and there's it's harder to know <laughs> when to pivot <laughs> all right all right emily i kind of agree um sort of on the same note it can be hard um because I don't, I haven't finished enough writing to like share it with someone yet. I'm still working on the second draft. So I don't know while I'm writing it, like, is this boring? I have no idea. I just need to set this scene. But I feel like the reader is probably as impatient as I am writing it. Just like, okay, let's get on with it. Can we please get on with it now? So not knowing the pacing, if the pacing is right, is something I struggle with. Probably because mm. I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD for, for sure. Um, yeah, that's one of the biggest struggles. And also is just worrying about, you know, where, where I take the story. There's so many options, you know, there's so many different things that can happen and so many turns you can take. And I constantly am worrying like, well, they're going to go here and do this with this character. But should they do that? Maybe they shouldn't do that. What if they went over here with this character? What if that character dies? Like, what, you know, it can go on and on. So trying to just be confident about the choices I've made in the plot can be, um, you know, it's a confidence issue sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like to add on to that, I know one of my issues is writing like a good chunk and then, you know, stepping away, coming back, rereading it to get back in the groove and then being like, oh, this sucks. And then rewriting it and then getting in this like loop mm -hmm. of just rewriting the same thing. <laughs> yes, I'm in that loop right now, trying to get out of it. And let's see, what misconceptions do you see in the public about like stories and games? Uh, yeah, just so many all the time. Um, I feel like there's like a couple different avenues for this. Like one is people are like, oh, this story sucks um when they look at it because they're not taking into account that like this is also a video game where maybe story isn't the main thing so the mechanics take precedent over the narrative or um you are supposed to experience some of the narrative through gameplay um and not everyone catches all those little nuances and things that uh designers and writers can put in there um and then there's also like the other side where it's like 
uh, maybe a more narrative focused game where like the story is the main thing and like there's not many mechanics behind it or if they are it's there to highlight the dialogue and stuff um and i feel like a lot of people there are like ah why is this game so short or like why did the writers make these decisions when it's like this is writing for games is really hard <laughs> um especially if it's not like a visual novel um visual novel it's just you know you just write and stuff but once you start adding mechanics and things to it things get more complicated now you need artists to know what the writers want and then the writers to tell the programmers how this is supposed to go and then the designers have to design around this narrative and so many things have to be reworked and rewritten um to make this thing all right so we talked about story let's move a little bit over to dialogue and how do you write dialogue for your games Gosh, I am the worst at writing dialogue, I think. Um, I don't actually know, <laughs> but I've never been told I'm bad at it. But that is one of the hardest things, I think. Hmm. Um, a lot of times I'll just be like, I'll put on my fake confidence hat and be like, I am God's gift to the world and I write the best things ever um, <laughs> to just get through it. <laughs> um, but then afterwards, going back and rereading it, it's like, wow, this feels really awkward. Um, and I think the best advice I've ever been given when it comes to writing dialogue is to have either like talk out loud to yourself and like be the character or like talk back and forth in like script format with someone else. Um, I did that as an exercise in one of my college classes. And it was really helpful to be like, yeah, people don't talk like this. <laughs> um, mm especially if you're not trying to act and you're just saying the lines um because you can be like oh i used contractions here where maybe this character speaks a bit more formally or oh i was like in a made this sentence weirdly long and uh cumbersome where it like looks fine to read but then kind of hard to say um which makes it feel a bit more clunky yeah they always say you should read your dialogue out loud yeah it helps so much. And that's yeah. hard to try to do like exposition or, you know, try to explain what's going on in a casual way that's seamless sort of without, you know, I've seen some really bad exposition, usually in the beginning mm -hmm. of movies mm. where it's like, don't forget you have that appointment, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. We know, you know, I know we don't know, but you know, so just go to the appointment and then we'll all know <laughs> anyway. <laughs> It's also like in the beginning of movies where it's like, hi, sister, how are you? Great, mm -hmm. brother, thanks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know you need to tell us that they're siblings, but there are like other ways, yeah. you know? Like, I'm going to get confused. Oh, they're kissing? They Oh, they're not, oh, they're not related? Oh, I hope not, anyway. <laughs> Probably not sisters or brothers, <laughs> unless it's Game of Thrones, then maybe. Yeah. Then maybe. Yeah. That's a piggyback off of that. Like, I... Again, I enjoy movies a lot. I have my own little movie podcast on the side. And the exposition part of, like you said, hello, husband, hello, wife. And it's like, uh, is there no better, unclunkier way for you to show me that they're married or brothers or, you know, the mission we're going on today is going to be a dangerous one. Or where are we going? Are you just asking that now? Like, you're in the plane to jump off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, where are we? Like, you, you're asking where we're going. Like, yeah, like 10 seconds before you jump off the Okay. 
because again that's for us sure but again there there should be a better way to <laughs> portray that to us versus yeah. person in back screaming don't be late to your new job that you really want <laughs> like oh thank you thank you exposition man who yelled that to me i appreciate you <laughs> yeah oh, I, and i feel like a lot of that comes from like whoever's making this piece of media just like going god the general audience is dumb and you know they're probably not wrong they're not wrong <laughs> they're not because <laughs> there's been a lot of times when you're like you know watching a movie and then you're halfway and you're like what is happening because <laughs> maybe they didn't have explicit exposition dumps mm -hmm. and you miss that like one shot from five minutes ago or something that has happened several times watching movies and being like wait is that that's not the same kid that's a different actress who who is that person where did they was yeah. that i wasn't paying attention yeah it's also <laughs> i don't know if y'all have this issue but like i have like bad facial blindness when it yes. specifically comes to like white men with beards yeah. i i think i was playing telling lies with friends like we were streaming it and like the main guy was there and then we found a different uh video of him without a beard i'm like oh two different men and everyone's like no that is the same person <laughs> so <laughs> i'm like that with um white blonde women um the movie that i was talking about is like the woman on the train or i forgot what it was called oh and mm -hmm. again i was kind of paying attention kind of not and then they showed another blonde woman and i'm like wait that's that's not, that's not her who was this like i i oh Oh. This problem with everybody. <laughs> oh, but again, talking about dialogue, how important is dialogue in game in general sense as well, as we talked about a little bit in movies? Yeah, um, I think it just depends on the genre of game. Like, if I'm playing a visual novel, 90% of that's probably going to be dialogue um, with, like, narrator exposition to tell you where you are and stuff. Hmm. Um, but I think in a lot of other types of games dialogue can almost be less important um not that dialogue is isn't important but um i've noticed a lot of people don't like to read dialogue or listen to what characters are saying um because like sometimes if you're in games you're like oh wow this is super pretty what's going on like there's so much to look at um so you might miss some of that things that the characters are saying um so i like to take an approach of a, with a game that isn't like visual novel or visual novel s um to be more uh like almost uh environmental design kind of um which i think kind of falls under narrative design which is like how the player can experience the game through the design of the game and the narrative through that uh through the games i really just misspoke there <laughs> narrative design is how the player experiences narrative through games there um and the mechanics and everything so it's like i could say oh i'm late i'm late for my new job or we can have like a quick cutscene where you see the character wakes up the time is like past seven they're like oh no and then you see them like quick quickly get dressed in maybe more business attire or something, um, skip breakfast, maybe pan to like a, a resume that they grab off the um, kitchen counter before leaving to get to the job interview, which 
you can do with very little dialogue instead of just explicitly saying it. Um, and that's kind of like how I like to, I want to make games. I don't know if I'm there, but that's how I want to do it. <laughs> Okay. I want to say it was Henry Stickman, and I'm probably getting that wrong. Mm. Where again, I love their dialogue, but also like if you kept it was that was another game. Where, like if you kept skipping that dialogue, the character would be like, "All right, fine, you just want to skip this, cool." Like mm -hmm. you know, like and I love those kind of small things. Like you said, with gamers, you know, games to play, things to do, buttons to click. Like again, like playing Pokemon. What am I really gonna be getting knowing this evil person's evil? like mm -hmm. plan like you're gonna shoot a laser into space eh nah i'm gonna stop you like yeah a lot of times you don't really even read that because again you're pressing the button so quickly that it you move past it and i wanted to let us all participate in this next question because it's not just for cam it's for all of us because this is something that i think we can all can answer about the different dialogues that are, are are in games, and if you have a favorite, like linear dialogue trees or discoverable, discoverable ooh, words, um, kind of dialogue. Um, for me, I'm very famous for reading, um, dialogue. Like again, the discoverable part, like when I played, um, Control, and they're just videos to find and documents to read, and it's really like X Files, and I'm just like, ooh made up words that that aren't really real but in this world it is and i spend like an hour just finding all of them like i i love reading those things of like what happened who's a ghost now why is this happening <laughs> okay <laughs> like yeah, yeah fine i gotta find my brother all right cool 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 like i'm gonna just read all these documents and you know figure it out while also at the same time you can miss something that maybe it's not 100 percent important but adds a little flavor to the game that you're playing. Where, like, um, not Mass Effect, but I guess also in Mass Effect. The one with the big daddies. Why am I forgetting the name of that game? Bioshock. Oh, Bioshock. Bioshock. Bioshock has a whole bunch of those recordings just laying around. That if you don't find them, okay then. But if you do find them, it adds so much to that game that without them, I think the game is somewhat lacking. Mm -hmm. That if you don't have those recordings, it's still a good game, but you just miss some of those flavor that you would find throughout the game of just the craziness that was happening in this world. Hmm. So that is my answer. Um, what about you, Taz? What favorite kind of dialogue do you have? I, I guess it depends. Um, I can go with, I, I'm the very much opposite because I know somebody who's like read all the books in like Skyrim and like The Witcher 3. I'm, you know, I'm the very opposite. If I see a book that opens up, I'm just there to see if I can get a skill. You know what I mean? Like, if I get a go one up on my destruction abilities or something. Um, whereas I, I prefer like more linear dialogue or even like uh, kind of choose your own adventure or like things like like mass or excuse me. Like, yeah, I guess like Mass Effect or specifically like like Fallout um, has a good like. Yeah, I want to know all the information before I go into something as I'm not much of a reader person. If it has voice dialogue, great. Like awesome I'll, I'll run with that but i do like some linear stuff i like to like sit back and make it look like i'm watching a movie or like the cinematics and like those kinds of scenes especially in like in uh like final fantasy like it's pretty much you know spoon fed to you what the story is going to look like um in their grand scheme of a beautiful cinematic masterpiece um but I'm very I'm a very straightforward kind of person i'm not going to go out of my way to kind of discover the lore of the world but I like to hear what people's thoughts are and uh, how to how to go about the world in that way. 
Cam. I like I like all of these in different games. Um, <laughs> like linear dialogue trees, collectibles. Um, but I think I think my favorite is like a cross between dialogue trees and then like discoverable things. So like maybe not full choose your own adventure, but like uh like depending on how you go down the the game different characters will say different things like i haven't played skyrim but i think if like you do certain things for one person but not for the other one person will be angry at you or something um just little things like that um but then in terms of like discoverable or collectible dialogue um i think it's so neat to find like little tape recordings like you said in bioshock um it really fleshes out the world a bit more um the only thing is that annoys me when it's like, oh, I need to find all 15 pages <laughs> to get the good ending of the video game. And it's like, <laughs> ah, <laughs> or, <laughs> or something like that. Or I have to go collect all of the voice clips to really know what's going on um, when it's like, I don't want to have to look up a guide to play the video game <laughs> um, unless it's like a puzzle game or something. Then it's kind of different but in like a story-based game i want the base story in the game <laughs> and emily i agree with that i um i i like dialogue trees probably the most mostly because it's just the one style that i've had the most exposure to uh especially in like skyrim and you know adventure games like broken age I think have also dialogue trees. I think it's a, a flexible style that you can, it, depending on how much time you want to spend on this adventure, do you just want to blaze through it and collect all the things and finish the game? Great. Or do you, you know, want to ask this person, how long have you lived in this town? Or, you know, that kind of thing. You can, you can do, you can explore as little or as much as you want. And I'd say discoverable dialogue, I think is the most exciting though when you get a little bit of lore and you've stumbled upon it i love exploring places and just finding things that i didn't expect to find especially if they shed a little light on the story that you can't find out any other way i just want to add a piece to my discoverable like dialogue just if any future gamers or game designers are listening um just a little sam piece of advice um if I'm listening to something, I would like for it to follow with me. Mm -hmm. That is one of a pet peeve I have where I'm listening to something and I'm like, all right, cool. I want to now continue my quest to do whatever. And oh, this, the sound is fading out. Oh, I have to stay in this area. Okay. Oh, they're still talking. Oh, right. I'm, I'm like, I, I really want to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> but like that chest right over there <laughs> is calling my name. <laughs> But I really, really want to listen to what you have to say. I just don't want to stay here for the next two minutes. Like, could you please just follow me? Like, I, I have the tape. Like, in the game, I'm sure there's a tape recorder, like, in my pocket that I just need to be listening to. Why, why are you stuck in this one desk? Please follow me. I can't stand it when you have to sit and listen. If it's, like, a voiced-over dialogue, you have to sit and wait. Mm -hmm. And the text is already, you know, you tap the button, the text is already read. You're like, okay, I already know what you're saying. And then you either have to like skip through them, and like, is it, and you, and you could, and it's just, <laughs> it really jars you. And it's, I, I've always preferred like non voiceover because either A, you have to wait for them to just say, say their piece. And sometimes they just go on and on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or, 
B, you just skip it entirely and or they're like bad actors or yeah, it's just text, text. It's the way to go. And moving on to the next question, do you have experience in programming as well as narrative design? Does your practice in one field ever affect the other? And if so, how? Yeah. Um, so I think it has helped with um, knowing limitations, um, especially since I do some solo dubbing. Um, knowing how much I could program and how difficult things are to program has helped me be like, okay, I want to do this really wide sweeping story, but maybe. Maybe it'll just have to be a text adventure instead of like a, you know, like unity based game or something. I think, yeah, it's mostly helping with scope. Um, now I, I hate programming, so I don't I don't do it as much. I see if I can find someone else to do that for me. But <laughs> yeah, I know. I think the biggest thing is like it helps me appreciate what some games have done. Like, um, oh, what's his name? Max Turnbull? I think that's his name. Um, who's making a game about laundry and 90% of the game so far has just been this like really cool dialogue system or like letters bounce and uh, change color and like jitter and all this stuff. And it's like, wow, that really brings the game to life. I want to do that. So I try and I'm like, wow, that's hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, scope and then just like appreciating other people more and like the things they do. <laughs> And now to our final question that we have here is what are some of the some what are some of your favorite genres to work in, games or otherwise, and how do the genre conventions change in experience of writing? For me, I really like working in uh horror spaces, um and then like absurd, I guess is the word, um, or maybe unconventional, um uh uncomfortable. But like uncomfortable in the fact where it's like you're in a liminal space and you're like, I don't I don't want to be here. <laughs> I think just doing that is like I don't know how it's changed how I write. Um, I think it's made me not take it take my writing it so seriously. Um, because it's like a lot of times I don't want to show anyone because it's like this is super serious and it's supposed to mean something and have super deep meaning. And like that's how I used to write a lot, and no, no shade to anyone who does write like that. I've seen really deep writing, and it's fantastic. Um, but for me, it just wasn't clicking. And then once I found these genres and spaces to work in, I'm like, wow, I can just you know write stuff, and then come back at it, and like not take it as seriously as I need as like some other writing might. And it's still like okay. I don't know if it's fantastic. Um, hopefully, people will tell me if it's not. <laughs> uh, but I think it's actually like helped my writing because now it's like it's a space where it doesn't need to be serious. Um, so I don't need to take myself super seriously and need to be like one of those. Uh, what is it called? Like not a starving artist, like depressed artist with where everything is poetic, you know, tortured, <laughs> tortured. There we go. <laughs> yeah, long, I think as long as people are enjoying Again, your art, because I do believe writing is an art. I think that's kind of the main focus, I think, for me at least, like when I'm reading or doing anything, it's, am I having a good time? You know, does everything need to make sense? Not really. Like, as long as I'm enjoying the space that I am in, the, the picture that, again, the artist is trying to show me, cool. Like, 
again, I love comic books. Do, do, do comic books make sense most of the time? Not at all. <laughs> you know, can that person run fast and speed of light? How does that happen? Don't worry about that. Don't, don't ask questions. Just have a good time in the space, in the medium that you're reading that, again, that still brings joy and happiness to your, the person that's, you know, ingesting all of that art that you're doing. Yeah, definitely. But we are now at the end of our podcast. I want to say thank you to Cam for joining us, for Emily for joining us. It has been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. And Taz, thank you for joining us as well. Anytime. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Taz. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Taz. Like, just, and Taz, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> and I want to thank you, the listener, for listening to the Game Raven Review podcast. I have been Sam. You can find me on all social media under Sam Said It DFW. Cam, where can I find you? If you want to find me on social media, I go by at not Cameron and zero T underscore C A M E R O N. And that is on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you want to go play some of my games, you can search me up on itch.io under uh, C-M-R-N-P-R-R-Y. It's my name without vowels. Um, there's also a link on my Twitter. Nice. Emily. I'm not really one for the meads, but I do have an Instagram account at Adamanta Whitfoot. I like the Shoshmead. I just, again, on the inside, I was like, ah, <laughs> I like that. I don't know why. I think it should, you know, be uh, picked up as a as a real word. Social media. Added to the... <laughs> social media takes too long to say. I'm sorry. Social media. Just say social media. People say snap. They say the gram. Social media. It's right there. Social media. Again, we all know where it started. Sam, too. it's up to you. We all know where it started. So we give <laughs> Emily 10% of all revenue. <laughs> all profits. Yes, please. <laughs> and Taz, where can they find you? You can find me at TazTDevil3 on all of the social meds. Uh, I do stream on Twitch every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, being a variety streamer, two-player Tuesdays, kind of whatever's fresh on Thursdays, and then spooky Saturdays. Um, and I do stream on the Game Raven Review Twitch channel on Wednesdays, hosting uh, a different indie game every week, maybe some a little bit more old school, some a bit, bit more uh, new school. Um, but you can find me there. Hope to see you there. And as always, you can find the game RavenReview.com and join our Discord. Thank you for listening. Have a great and fantastic week. And until next time, goodbye. Are you game?